Welcome to Parents Perspective. What happened this time? Brett looked wearily at his frazzled wife, Wendy. I think I'm really losing my mind, she muttered, shaking her head. Kurt was out of control again today, according to his teacher. He is only three, you know, replied Brett. What could he possibly do to rile his teacher? Well, first he picked up a stick from the playground, Wendy began, pouring herself another cup of coffee with trembling hands. Then, after drawing in the dirt with it, he began waving it in the air all over the place, hitting one of the children on the head, luckily missing any faces. Hmm mumbled Brett, staring into his cup. Assume they did take the thing away. Oh, yeah, Wendy laughed nervously. One of the teachers took it away, all right. That was when Kurt had a full-fledged half-hour meltdown. From a parent's perspective, what should we know about managing our children's difficult behavior? I'm Sandy Burt. And I'm Linda Perlis. Our guest has experience with all this as both a professional and as a mom. Dr. Claudia Gold has practiced general and behavioral pediatrics for over 20 years. She has written a column on children's mental health for the Boston Globe and also writes regularly for her blog, Child in Mind. She's married and the mother of three children ages 13, 16, and 23. Welcome to Parents Perspective, Dr. Gold. Thank you for having me. What would you say are the most common flashpoints between parents and kids that bring out a child's difficult behavior? Well, I think that you can actually see any problem as a problem of communication or miscommunication so that often a parent misinterprets a child's behavior or doesn't understand where it's coming from and that often leads to escalation. So difficulty with communication is often an underlying issue. Can you give an example of that? So we sort of get where we're going. I was thinking of this kid with a stick. It's hard to misunderstand <laughs> that. He's got this stick. He's waving it around. He hits a kid on the head. Well, I'll start with something much younger because, uh, as you know, my book actually goes from the newborn through adolescence. But very often for pediatricians see parents calling frequently about multiple complaints about their newborn. And one of these might, you know, that he's cries, that's, you know, colicky or constipated. And I remember one very dramatic incident where this mom called the office um, every day and the staff were tearing their hair out. Nothing we did. She would come in and she insisted that the baby was constipated. And we would say, well, this is a normal stooling pattern for a baby of this age and, and everything to reassure her and nothing worked. But so the baby came in and actually this story is in the book, but we were talking and the baby was on the table and he started doing these like uh, uh, kind of sounds. And she said, see, he's constipated. <laughs> and, and I looked at him and he, you know, he was talking, he was communicating with her. But she had her own major stresses in her life. Actually, it came out in that visit that uh, the father of the baby had left her, and she was struggling with being a single parent, and she was worried that her stress was being transmitted in the breast milk. So she wasn't able to see this very healthy, normal communication of her baby because it was clouded by her own interpretation. So if you want to translate it to your story, I mean, a lot of things go through my mind when I hear that story. 
does the child have difficulties with sensory input? So often kids who act out in the preschool setting who are overwhelmed by a lot going on, noises, sounds, tend to act out. Does he have a language delay? Is he having difficulty expressing himself? Or is there stress going on in the home? What's going on between the parents? So I start to think about the complexity of what could be behind the behavior. And simply responding in a purely behavioral way with strict limits, time out, or something I am never in favor of, punishment, doesn't get at those underlying issues. How would you advise parents to think, then, of their misbehaving child? So what should the mindset be when a parent sees something like that? Well, the first thing is, and I've just started to do this recently, is to reframe the language, use different language, so that I don't use the word misbehave, I think, or challenging or difficult behavior, but rather stressed behavior. Because if you start with a different language, you immediately are in a better position to empathize with your child's experience. So that's number one. Then if you use that word, your child is in some kind of distress, and that's why they're misbehaving, as you say. And then the natural question is, why? (laughs) What is the cause? And then you start to open it up. So what kind of cues should we look for in ourselves or in our children to help us recognize the issues that are provoking the stress? Well, there are issues in the child, as you say, and those I mentioned, some of them, that they're particular kind of biological vulnerabilities, who they are as a person and what kind of situations are they sensitive to. Is it a child who really falls apart when they're hungry? Because there are certainly kids who are particularly sensitive to that or these other things that are are more significant. Do they have uh, developmental issues or sensory processing issues? And then, you know, similarly, the more self-understanding you have as a parent, uh, the better off you are. Are there certain kinds of things that are particularly challenging for you? Like if your child gets angry, are you someone who has difficulty managing people getting angry with you? And is that something that tends to get you very stressed and... In yourself, I use the word dysregulated, so that you're so upset that you can't really think about what's going on for the child. And then you get an even further cycle of miscommunication if the child is stressed and the parent is stressed and nobody's thinking clearly. So you want to try to anticipate that by understanding kind of what pushes your buttons and what pushes your child's buttons. There must be also periods in a child's life and development that are particularly vulnerable to what we call stressful behavior, difficult behavior. I'm thinking the introduction of a new baby in the mm-hmm, family, exactly. parents divorcing, mm-hmm. a, a move for the family, or you know, lots of things that we would consider sort of normal stuff, mm-hmm. but might provoke specific behaviors. Right. I have a very vivid memory of a mom bringing, well, actually both parents came with their four-year-old because of explosive behavior, probably the most common concern that people bring to me. And they were carrying the newborn in the carrier. And I looked at the baby and they said to me, oh, he has nothing to do with it. So, you know, certainly having a (laughs) sibling is a wonderful thing. 
And there's, in the long run, you know, there's a lot to be said for having a sibling, and it adds a lot to a family. But it's certainly important to recognize that it is very disruptive and stressful to everyone. And even just acknowledging that and recognizing the child's experience, that doesn't mean that it's not going to be challenging. It just means that you're understanding his perspective and uh, respectful of his experience. We'll take a short break now and be right back to continue our discussion on understanding stressful behavior. The popular book, Raising a Successful Child, Discover and Nurture Your Child's Talents, by Sandra Burt and Linda Perlis, is available at all major bookstores and on the web. Welcome back to Parents' Perspective. We are talking with Dr. Claudia Gold about understanding our children's stressful behavior. What's the most challenging component of your battle plan for parents? The thing that's most difficult for them to do. Well, I think what I said about being dysregulated, staying calm yourself. Because this is relatively simple to be with your child in this way if you feel good. (laughs) But if you don't and you're upset about whatever, I mean, you may be upset about what your child is saying to you. Like I was talking with a mom whose kid said, I know you don't love me. I mean, if your child says that to you, you know, it's very upsetting. So to be able to think about why they're saying that is hard. So the actual interaction can cause you to be dysregulated, but you're also your life. You know, you might have stress at work, you might not be sleeping well, and often these things go together children who are having difficulties and then not sleeping, so nobody's sleeping. Again, there may be stresses in the marriage or in in your relationship with the other parent. So all of those things can cause a parent to be dysregulated herself and, very importantly, her own relationships with her family of origin. And all of those things come into play. And really, you need to have some handle on that, not that you have to fix all of that, But it can get in the way of being present with your child and cause you to have difficulty feeling calm. And really feeling calm, it's kind of a mindfulness approach. That's the most important thing. And to get to your question, (laughs) the most difficult (laughs) to be calm and present with your child at moments of disruption. And how do you do that? (laughs) <laughs> well, short uh, of leaving the room, closing the door, going to a it, spa. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in the moment, you need to recognize that that's happening and get help if possible. So if, you know, there's the acute issue and then there's the more global issue of how do you take care of yourself so that you are able to be calm with your child in general. So in the immediate situation, if you recognize Again, there's an example in the book of a mom whose child has difficulty with frustration and scrapes his knee and starts screaming. And she says, this is ridiculous. You know, it's just a little cut. But she hears this voice in her head saying, you know, I know this is hard for him, but I'm just too stressed right now to be nice about it (laughs) and patient. So she says, you know, let daddy deal with this. You know, you, you see in yourself, I'm not doing well with this. I need help. Now, you might not have help. And then, you know, that's difficult. You know, you need to do whatever it takes to calm you down. Sometimes 
it's better to do something that calms everybody down than to start screaming at your child. So if you feel yourself losing control and there is no one else around, you know, maybe a movie <laughs> is helpful in a situation like that where you can go somewhere else. I mean, you want the child to be safe. So if it's a very young child, you don't want to leave the room. For an older child, you may need to do that to collect yourself. But the first step is to recognize that you're doing it and stop yourself. But then, again, looking at it more globally, in order to, as I say in the book, keep your child in mind, somebody needs to be keeping you in mind. And that just as a parent, recognizing that you need that, whether it's from your spouse, family members, friends, if you don't have people who are supportive and there are issues you're struggling with, I'm a big fan of good psychotherapy (laughs) if it's really providing a holding environment for the parent because that helps them to be more available for their child. I raised three sons. They're all grown men now. But I remember three little boys rough and tumble in the house. And there were times when I found that very stressful. And I remember saying to them, I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be out in a minute. And I would go to the nearest bathroom and I'd hear them quiet down and stop fighting Mm -hmm. because they were left to resolve it themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there was no one there to help or interfere or to do it in front of. Mm -hmm. So it resolved a lot of things by just withdrawing from the situation. I suppose I didn't have to go into a bathroom, but it was the nearest space where I could close a door. And I found it so helpful. Now, you can't do that with a brand new baby or a little crawling child. But by the time they were old enough to tumble around with each other, I could. Yeah. And that actually brings up a number of issues. First of all, that you were able to recognize that you need to take care of yourself, but also that often sibling issues are very much about engaging a parent's attention. And so you took care of yourself and also (laughs) solved the problem. (laughs) Little kids, toddlers, frequently have meltdowns for a variety of reasons. And We have to react sometimes very quickly. Any suggestions? Especially when they happen in places like the grocery store. (laughs) Well, actually, I have a great story. I flew Southwest. um, Airlines. to, Mm -hmm. To get here. And, you know, Southwest has that system where you have to go and stand in your spot to get your seat. So there was a mom with a child who looked to be about 18 months old, and he would not stand in that spot. (laughs) So this was kind of like the grocery store situation where you have to do what society expects of you and your child is just not going along. So this was a great scene, which I thought about quite a bit and brought up a lot of what not to do (laughs) and then led me to reflect about what the alternatives were. So First of all, so everybody's standing there, and the child just keeps darting away. And there were actually another person with this young mom who looked to be maybe her sister. And she, at first, wasn't helping at all. And the mom kept running after the kid and grabbing him and bringing him back. And he would shriek, and he would run away again. <laughs> so thinking about what's going on for this mom is that she's feeling incredible stress and embarrassment and shame. And then she got angry with him. And she said, if you don't come here, all these people are going to tell Santa that you were a bad boy. <laughs> oh, my. So, so then what is she doing? She feels shame, and she then does oh. that to her child. Oh. 
So I started to think about what's going on for this mom and what's going on for this child, and then you can think about how to do it better. So the mom, as I said, is embarrassed, ashamed, maybe very tired. She may be angry that her sister isn't helping her. So that's what's going on for her. What's going on for him is he is probably just completely disorganized by an airport. I mean, if he's a child with sensory issues, an airport is a totally overwhelming place. He also may be tired, you know, so there may be a lot of stresses on him. So one obvious solution in that situation would have been for her to go sit down with him and let his, her sister hold the place in line. But what happens when you get stressed is that you don't think clearly. That's the first thing that happens is your brain, the cognitive thinking capacities go offline under stress. And that actually happens on a physiologic basis. So you stop being able to think clearly. So what else could she have done? You know, in the old days, a book and in the modern age, again, I'm not opposed to using things like movies, phones, in an acute situation. I mean, it's a very, very difficult situation for everybody. And, you know, being a little bit flexible and understanding and certainly not shaming and humiliating, Mm -hmm. which is the wrong way to go. I've seen parents hand a phone or hold a phone for a child with various games Uh on the phone, and Uh children calm down right away. Mm -hmm. They want to play the game. Of course, then you have the job of taking your phone back and not letting them play the game for hours. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So it has to be used carefully, judiciously. And there are games on phones that are designed for little kids. Yeah. We'll take a short break now and be right back to finish our discussion on understanding stressful behavior. Parents' Perspective needs you, your feedback, your opinions, and not least, your donations that help with the cost of producing this award-winning program. Visit us online at www.parentsperspective.org and click on to give direct, I give, or eBay at Mission Fish. Please help us continue to help you. Thank you. Welcome back to Parents' Perspective. We're talking with Dr. Claudia Gold about understanding our children's stressful behavior. I was thinking about your example of the child, and I was thinking, too, I would bet that in a situation like that, where you're traveling with a kid or there's time and distance is an issue, that kids could very often be hungry, have low blood sugar or that kind of thing, which makes even grown-ups a little edgy. Right. So there could be a lot going on. And also, you're going somewhere. Who are you leaving? Who are you going to? I mean, for a, a toddler, those are big issues. So, yeah, I think just recognizing that the child is, as I said, stressed rather than difficult. It occurs to me, too, I don't know what the age parameters are, but I think of toddlers as people for whom life is pretty unpredictable Mm -hmm. unless somebody tells you. People sort of come in Mm -hmm. and out of their lives. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem to make any sense and not sure what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. You know, where's mommy? Where's Mm -hmm. daddy? Mm -hmm. Right. And there are certainly kids who are more vulnerable to that kind of having trouble with transitions and in those situations. And parents who are sensitive to their child's vulnerabilities know that they need to tell them exactly what's going to happen when. So that's a way in which your understanding of your child can make things go more smoothly. The other thing I wanted to say about toddlers is that tantrums are normal. I think it's really important to remember that that 
they really grow out of a recognition of your relative powerlessness because when you're a year old, Margaret Mahler described this as the love affair with the world. You don't really understand that there are other bigger powers than you and you see the one-year-old just take off down the hall with this exuberance. And then when you get to be about 18 months old or 15 months old even, you realize that someone can swoop you up and take you somewhere else. Or, you know, you want that and then they take it away. And so there's kind of this bursting of your omnipotence that happens Mm -hmm. and that gets kids frustrated. And so they have a tantrum and that's very healthy, actually, in many ways. And just kind of saying, oh, you know, I know this is frustrating that it didn't go your way and kind of do your thing as long as you're safe and nobody's going to get hurt. Have your tantrum. And then when it's over, it's over. It's not a big deal. Well, now to get to the other end of toddlerhood, which we call adolescence, (laughs) what would you advocate for parents of teens? Well, I think it's helpful to think about adolescence is having a lot in common with toddlerhood. But particularly if you want to start from a position of empathy, the adolescent has some major tasks. They need to figure out who they are, kind of get a sense of their own identity within the group, a sense of what they want to do with their lives, and also separate from this safety of home. So that's pretty scary. And so often kids, even though they may not show it, they experience a lot of anxiety around that. And what happens when people get anxious? You don't think clearly. And there's actually evidence that teenagers don't use the medial prefrontal cortex, which is what's called the observing brain, which is responsible for empathy and kind of self-understanding. So what happens is you might have this child who's at 9 and 10 is becoming increasingly sophisticated in their empathy capacity, and all of a sudden they become this self-centered, you know, uh, horrific kind of person that you don't even recognize. So that's what happens is the anxiety of the whole process of adolescence disrupts the working of the brain temporarily. So it's not only hormonal, it's actually on a neurobiological basis. And so I like to think of it as that their brains go intermittently offline. And if you can see that that's happened and not butt heads with them directly in one of those moments, it will pass a lot sooner. You mentioned that I have uh, teenagers, and I certainly have made this mistake myself many times (laughs) when, you know, something they do like... You never understand me and you never do anything for me. And meanwhile, I've sort of given up my career as a primary care doctor for you and and that kind of thing. You know, my inclination is to start arguing. Well, that's not true. I did this. But really what's happening is it's one of those offline moments. And, and then, you know, if you just kind of say, okay, you know, you have to set limits. You can't let your kids curse at you and say, you can't speak to me like that, but, you know, you need to sit through it, and then their brains will start working again on the other end. (laughs) A lot of patience involved. A lot of patience, (laughs) kind of deep breathing, meditative type stuff is very important when you have teenagers. Dr. Gold, how does the kind of parenting you're describing affect a child as he's growing and developing? Well, this concept of what I refer to in the book as holding a child in mind, 
or in terms of the developmental research, it's actually referred to as holding a child's mind in mind, has been found to be a central component of what's called secure attachment. And in addition, an extensive amount of research that's spanned over 30 years has shown that secure attachment is associated with a lot of very good things, such as ability to think flexibly, to manage emotions and regulate emotions, to have a flexible cognitive thinking, resilience, it's associated with resilience, another important quality, empathy, and the capacity to adapt to challenging social situations. So you have keeping your child in mind leads to secure attachment, which leads to all of those good things. <laughs> well, obviously this is a good thing, and we would love to continue this discussion, but our time is almost up. So before we go, for our listeners who want to learn more about some of the issues we've been discussing, what resources would you recommend in addition to your book, Keeping Your Child in Mind? Well, actually, I just attended a conference in Washington of the organization Zero to Three, which is a wonderful organization, and they have a website. They have a lot of very good resources for parents. In terms of books, Dan Siegel has written a number of books that have a lot of similar ideas. He's a psychiatrist who writes also a lot about neuroscience, but also parenting. So his books are very interesting. Well, Dr. Claudia Gold, we are so pleased that you were able to be with us today and help us understand during stressful times how to keep our child in mind. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. The best way to get in touch with Parents Perspective is to email us at parentsper at gmail.com. Our first listener will receive an autographed copy of Dr. Gold's book, Keeping Your Child in Mind. Overcoming Defiance, Tantrums, and Other Everyday Behavior Problems by Seeing the World Through Your Child's Eyes. Just email us at parentsper at gmail.com and give us your name and snail mail address and mention show number 497. Tell us, if you can, what station you're tuning into. Visit our website, www.parentsperspective.org, where you can even listen to a show of your choice, or check us out at facebook.com slash parentsperspective. This is Sandy Bird and Linda Perlis. We're glad you could share Parents Perspective. Today's program was made possible with generous support from Ed Lee and Alice Ritchie. Parents Perspective Incorporated is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, and the show is made possible by your financial support. Thank you for your contributions. Donations can be made online through GiveDirect or iGive.com or MissionFish at eBay. Or you can send checks to Parents Perspective Incorporated, Post Office Box 42283, Washington, D.C., 20015. Our sound engineer is Kent Hitchcock. Music for this program was composed and performed by Jonathan Burt.